good Thursday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Thursday Night Throwdown. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy, KG. Coming to you live, unfiltered, uncut, and uncensored. Sitting in with the incomparable, the undefeated, the immovable. And because he old school, and I just thought about something. I said, he old school. He like R&B. Of course he does. Ladies, you can call him insatiable. The Midnight Rider. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you went that one, boy. It's another hey, one that. Uh. Hey, one thing you can never go wrong with is Prince. That's what you can't right, go wrong exactly. with. You can't go. And I, I'm being honest. I'm being live. I'm being real. You want to set the mood? Get you some Prince. Trust me. You won't regret it. But uh, first and foremost, like we do every night, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Just trying to get get settled. Um, you know, you know how it goes. The nights, some nights you you get in the house and everything goes right, and then some nights you can't find can't find your left shoe, even though you just took it off. Mm-hmm. So it, it bees like that sometimes. So finally got settled. Finally got the game up. Um, I think I'm watching. Yeah, I'm watching Kansas State and Michigan State. So we'll see what's going to happen there. And you have a vested interest in that, so. Oh, yeah, of course. Both bracket and personal. (laughs) So we're going to start this off because, remember, tonight is the night we pick up where we left off on Tuesday night. So, But before we get into that, we got some NBA things to talk about. John Morant, number one, comes back off of his, what was it, total eight-game suspension? Right. Uh, score I don't know if they quote unquote well, call it a suspension. I think it was just his time away. Mm. I don't know if he's officially in a suspension. I'll have to go back and look on that, but still, he missed about eight games. So they found a nice soft landing spot playing Houston and they brought him off the bench last night. <laughs> he gave him 17 points, and you know, it kind of just got hidden in the in the traffic of the night. You know, if you're an LA fan, you saw Austin Reeves. Um, go off for 25, carry the Lakers to a win. You know, LeBron LeBron probably not going to rush back because he's going to run the offense through Austin Reeves now. Um, you know, forget AD. It's, it's Austin Reeves time. And that's all sarcasm, if, if you can't tell. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, <laughs> since we take, we're talking about our own personal teams, Chicago, uh, uh, Patrick Beverly, decided to release a statement. He said, I could have a bad game in Chicago and ain't nobody tweeting about it like it was in L.A. And I'm like, dude, is there anything to be proud of? Like, come <laughs> on, man. Be real well, right now. Well, I need to get your feelings because if we're talking Chicago, um, Lonzo goes in, has a third surgery to try to get himself back for next season. Um, but they're not sure if that's even going to work. They're actually talking about cartilage replacement. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, Number one, I thought that the way we played last year before he got hurt was pretty well him, Zach Levine, uh, Kobe White. We got Vucevic. Um, I thought I was like, yo, we we, we got something going here. It got to translate into wins. And it kind of sort of didn't. And without him, uh, don't forget about Caruso, because what's old boy from Duke? Um, 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 Grayson Allen. Mm-hmm. When Grayson Allen hurt Caruso, I was ready to knuckle up. Not even gonna lie, I was ready to fight, ready to put put the hands on him because you're a dirty player and you keep doing this. So, but with that core of guys, I'm like, this should translate to more wins. Uh, but we need Lonzo for that to happen because right. he's the he's the steady hand that helps. Well, he that makes up. sure he also makes sure that people get the ball at the right times and the right moments. Like sometimes. You know, I think everybody thinks they're a point guard, but the key to being a point guard is knowing, you know, we've gone two trips down and and somebody hasn't gotten a touch. Let me get him a touch in, in his sweet spot. So let's call. Maybe we're going to run four down because there's a pin down screen and the guy comes out to the corner and that's, the, that's his shot. Or he gets the option if it's a pin down and he's going to the wing with the guy, um, trails him, he can curl over top of it and go towards the basket, like little stuff. Um, so 
you know, I think sometimes people don't always get the ins and outs. They just thinking you're bringing the basketball up. You're not mm-hmm. actually setting up and, and dictating the offense to people. The term I like to use for point guards is they set the table. And when you set the table, what happens? Everybody eats. Yeah, it is. And, and Lonzo Ball, for everything that every piece of criticism everybody has given him over the years, even when he was in L.A., this man had a run of, what was it, eight straight games where he had double-doubles, or was it triple-doubles? It was double-doubles. Probably double-doubles. He had 10 and 10. Oh, well, that's not really a double-double. Well, a double-double consists of double figures in two or more categories. Well, two categories. Right. Triple-double, three categories, four categories, for quadruple-double. Okay. I don't care if it's a poor man's double-double. It's a double-double. Give the man his credit. Give him his props. And people didn't do that, and I hated it. Now he's in Chicago, and I'm like, okay, we need him on the floor because Chicago is floundering as we speak without him. Absolutely. And this new surgery, I just hope he's able to come back. And I hope he's able to come back and play 100%. I don't want him back at 75. He's a shell of himself. I need him to be him. Right. And I don't want this to be career ending. So so this has the – the um implications and the possibilities of being careening just because of the type of um surgery he's gonna have. The, um there's some other things that I would go into at another time. Um but it's just I'm amazed we're here at this spot. Um because we should be in a better place in terms of some of these surgeries these guys are getting. Um so I would love to see him make a comeback. And then getting back to where we started this on comebacks with Ja. Um, my question to you is real simple. Was enough time away from the did he spend enough time away from the court for this to mean something? No, no, this was now. I'm, now, if I put it in a perspective, was this worse than Gilbert Arenas? No. I think it's on the same level, but I don't think worse than. So, uh, Gilbert Arenas got into it with a teammate and was threatening to shoot each other. That's different than just waving a gun. But now Ja did get into it with a teenager, and we talked about that. But he needed more time away. If he's going to get help, you can't get help in two weeks. And can't say, you know, you can't say, I got help. I'm cured. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. I think I felt like it it came to a point where um the NBA really wasn't gonna do anything, but they felt obligated to at least get him out of the way. It was almost like he made a deal. They were like, hey, look, just take a couple weeks off so we can get this out of the spotlight, so we can get some other things to come in and get in front of you. You know, you know, the world baseball classic happens the other night, you know, you got the NCAA tournament starting back up. It's enough stuff to keep you off of Front Street with your comeback. And I think that's what last night was. Last night was just the perfect landing spot because it pins him in between two things where you're not going to lead off your show with him as in the A block. And what's crazy is when you said something, I was like, he did? I didn't even know he came back last night. So it wasn't even news to me. Perfect landing spot. What news? But he's back, scored 17 last night. Uh, maybe just maybe he'll work his way back. He'll keep out of trouble. He'll make he'll he'll be in good trouble. But none of this bad stuff with these flashing these guns and 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 acting like he a gangster no more for the rest of his natural born days. So, uh, switching gears, Cam Newton throws at Auburn Pro Day. Shannon Sharp had a lot to say. And I do want to say this. If we went through all 32 starting quarterbacks, potential starting quarterbacks in the NFL, you can't tell me that out of 32, there are 32 starting quarterbacks better than Cam Newton. But everybody said, well, these are 32 that's in the league now, so they must be better than him. This is is about fit. Yeah, it is. So there's, there's 32 fits to whatever the plan is. Um, the biggest issue for Cam is going to be 
can he dial his personality back enough? Can he humble himself enough to be okay with being a backup? And that's even going to be a concern for some teams because, you know, he's a big personality. And maybe when that quarterback struggles, you know, the fans may have that quick hook because the fans love the backup quarterback. And it's not just in Washington. It's a lot of places. So the question is going to be, do you think you can handle? It's not his ability. It's what he brings outside of that. And can your locker room handle him being there? Because there may be some guys, if you're in the locker room like he was in New England, and there may be some Cam guys, and then you might have some Mac Jones guys. Mm-hmm. Can you can you survive that? And that's the kicker. And I, and I like the fact that he came back and did the pro day. I watched him make a couple of throws. And if you ever go back, I think it was 2018 when he was in um, when he was in Carolina, coming off the shoulder problem, and he got destroyed by um, T.J. Watt in like a Monday night game. Wall goes up in the air, and after that game, he was never, never, ever, ever the same. That's <laughs> Jericho. He was never the same after that, and then. And he had bad luck with the COVID year because he caught COVID mm-hmm. um, early on in the season, and then he just never recovered physically to get his strength back. But he still was throwing the ball against his body. So honest, I knew he wasn't going to get another year there. And if Mac Jones had a pulse, it was going to be he was going to get benched. So now he's here. He goes to the pro day. I'm guessing that Auburn or the schools in the region didn't really have a quarterback that they felt good enough to help um showcase the people at the pro day so they got him in for a couple of throws some throws to kind of supplement it to give probably the pro teams a better look at the guys they were looking at so that happens at times too is sometimes you get a pro day where there isn't a guy that's eligible to throw so you got to kind of maneuver and get somebody though sometimes um some of the quarterback coach guru guys are the guys that throw at certain pro days just because in that area there's not a guy eligible right so I think he took advantage of a good opportunity to let people see you throw. Um, throw to some young guys. You give them a better um, option of having time in with somebody because you're a professional. And then it just goes from there. So I think it was a win-win in terms of putting himself out there. I just don't know if somebody's going to take the gamble because, again, you 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 want your, your backup quarterback to be known – not by name, not to have a reputation. You kind of want him to be there silent. And if you get in the jam, you got to use him. It's like that fire alarm. You know, you got to break the glass to get that fire extinguisher out or that little hammer, whatever it was back in the day. That's what you want. You don't want him out on front street um, being braggadocious and, and and just bringing attention. You know, you want him to kind of be there and be quiet. Like, I don't even know if Chase Daniel was in the league this year, but like Chase Daniel was the perfect example. A guy that just sat there. I think he's made like 41 million. He may have played five games in his career. And it's just that, but, that, but nobody knows about him. Nobody talks about him. I actually thought for us, he would be somebody that they would take an opportunity to look at because he's been in that Kansas City offense. Like you want as many guys in that room that know the offense. So he would have been perfect, him or Henny. And I would have brought Henny in or see if Henny's busy this summer. And when they're at camp, I would bring Henny in for two weeks. Like, look, dog. Two-week vacation, here goes some bread, just sit here with the kid, watch a couple days, and do your thing. Simple. Mute monster. Monster, yeah. Here's my thing. You cannot tell me that Cam Newton didn't – he didn't show out very well at this pro day, and I, I feel bad that he has to go through this. Just – same way I felt bad for Kaepernick, but I'm not going to get into that because that starts a whole nother can of worms and it's different opinions. But did he look good? Yeah. But the way Shannon Sharp dressed him down, Uncle Shay Shay really dressed him down. And I'm like, yeah, he still has gas left in the tank, but he made a, a brilliant point. You can come in and you say you can be a backup until you're a backup, and then you start pushing the starter to be the starter. But like you said, it's not always the the player that's pushing it. It's either the guys in the locker room or the fan base. Right. How many times have 
we've been in a situation here in Washington where a backup was on the bench and they want to push the starter out to get the backup because, oh, he needs to play. He needs to play. I'm trying to remember who it was because it's happened several times. But it's so it happened, and when the, the backup got in, he was just as bad as the starter was playing. No, he was worse. If you if you're thinking about what I'm thinking about, so Rex Grossman is playing the Philadelphia Eagles. He gets benched because uh, he's thrown like three interceptions. John Beck comes in, moves the ball moderately. Um, I think they end up. I want to say they won that game, uh, and because they won, fans were hollering for Beck to start the next week. And I think that next week they actually go to – I don't know if that's the Buffalo game or if there's a game in between that. And that's when Beck throws like – he gets sacked 10 times. He throws 10 passes to like Roy Hulu behind the line of scrimmage. Um, just, yeah. And, and that's that's one of the cases. Um, I mean, there's plenty of times where that's happened and it's just like um, – in DC or only in DC can that happen? I mean, there were people at the beginning of the season hollering for how hadn't seen here nothing of them, and it was like there was a there was a fraction, probably ten or fifteen percent that was like, hey, Sam Howell should be the starter. Yeah, and I don't know if they said it off of what they saw in training camp or what, but that was the thing. So, but you you know why they said that? He's got the bigger, he's got the better arm. One pass. That was made in a pregame route tree. Okay. A, a drill. And it was a rollout. He rolled down. I think he slung that thing maybe about 45, 50 yards in the air. And it was a dot. Yeah, that's easy to do when it's just you and a receiver. That's easy to do when it's seven on seven. But like I always say, when them live bullets fly, can you do it then? No, nah, there were a couple beat guys. I think um Willingham, Linnell Willingham on 106, he was a big howl guy. Um, he thought he had the better uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, arsenal. He Moxie. could do more stuff. He had the, the arm strength and he had the accuracy. Moxie. That's the word you're looking right. for. Oh, gosh. He's, <laughs> not full, he's full of that. Uh, but here's my thing. You can't come into a situation – and Cam Newton can't go into a situation like that where – let, give me, give me, give me a bad quarterback situation. But you know, bad quarterback situation. But he would fit as a backup. But the starter is just a fraction of a, a hair better. So like, let's it, say he goes to Vegas, um, and goes and sits behind Stidham and um and Garoppolo. Okay, let's use Garoppolo. He's behind Garoppolo as a backup, and. The fan base starts saying, well, Garoppolo struggles and goes to that Garoppolo stage. He goes, he starts Jimmy G in. And, you know, he has a, a couple of games where he stumbles a little bit. They may be wins, but they're ugly. Oh, well, we need to do this. We need to put Cam in and see what Cam got. And Cam need to do this. And Cam, oh, Cam, you know, doing all of that. And the bad part is you do all of that, put him in, and you got nothing. Next thing you know, you done lost three games in a row, not because of him, but but the team didn't respond well. And the team was actually rolling, had chemistry. You put him in cold, they got no chemistry, and then boom. You, this is the things that you have to worry about if he came here to Washington. The, the way that this city drools over uh, 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 free agents, any Big name free agents, yeah, especially a quarterback. I, I look back, I never forget this because I just did it. When they signed Carson Wentz, well, I'm sorry, when they traded for Carson Wentz, right? I made a reel about why would we trade for Carson Wentz? Of all people, why would we give up so much for him? It's a comment that was from eight months ago. A commander's fan, and I just realized it, didn't know it. This is on YouTube. We needed a we need a quarterback, Bub, and he's the guy. I responded to that. You sure about that? What you got to say now? He's not even on a team a year later. But you know, we needed a quarterback. We are not that desperate for a quarterback that you got to go out and get a this is not 2015 Cam Newton. I'll give you that. 
we're not that desperate for a quarterback where we can go get Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, for all I care. These are not guys that we're going to be able to win around long term. I like I like letting Howell play, but I also like getting a veteran to put his arm around him and say, hey, this is how the NFL goes. And I mean a good veteran. I don't mean a, you know. Yes. And I think Brissett is that guy. I think he's that he's the arm around the shoulder guy. Would it be better if it was Terod Taylor? Because Terod Taylor is a when it comes to X's and O's, Terod, not Tyrod, Terod Taylor is the guy that you would love to sit and watch and say, you know, watch how he comes into the building at 4:30 in the morning. He's watching film, he's doing everything. He does everything the right way. And I think he may not have the greatest career, but him as a coach is going to be something special if he decides to go that route because of his work ethic and how he approaches the game. He'll definitely be a QB coach or offensive coordinator um, at some level, um, hopefully one of the higher two levels. Um, if, if, to be honest with you, if I was um, – if I had a quarterback and he was a backup type of guy and Washington signed Tyrod or Tyrod, as you say, I'd be clamoring to come here to be the third string guy because I know Tyrod's going to get hurt at some point if he's playing and I'm going to get some time. I mean, even if the trainer takes him out by accidentally inject, giving him a bad shot in the, and functional lung or whatever he did. I mean, this guy's had like some bad injury luck and I joke about it, but honestly, I would, I would love to play. I would play. I'd be the quarterback behind him because I know I'm going to play. And there's no offense to him. I mean, you had Jake Fromm playing last year for New York Giants because I think Terod took it, injured his back in the game. And then that's how you ended up, not last year, but two years ago. And that's how you ended up with the, the Jake from State Farm, um, three kneel downs uh, against the commanders um, coming off the goal line. Mm. Please don't make me laugh. I was drinking water. Um <laughs> But this is Cam Newton, and here's, a, here's another take on it, and this is my personal take. Even though I know when you get later in your career, you got to switch, and you can't be that that superstar guy. Carmelo Anthony had to humble himself. I remember when he said he would never come off the bench, but he had to humble himself if he wanted to play. He came off the bench in Portland, came off the bench in L.A., and I really would love to see him come off the bench in either Washington or Chicago right now because both teams need a spark of a score. And I, he could be a Vinnie Microwave Johnson, but content. You Cam Newton has to humble himself enough to say, yes, I'm the backup quarterback. My job is to make sure that my starter is well prepared because I'm going to use my vast knowledge, what I can see, to be in his ear, okay, you got to look out for this. This is where they're going to come to you at. And I got to be able to talk to the team. Hey, 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 we here to win games. We ain't here to, we ain't here to fight. It ain't about his show, that show. It's our show. Let's do it. We're going to do this as a team. That's what I expect from an older guy like Cam Newton because he's not a young pup. You're older, you're wiser. Old Age does all, doesn't always equate wisdom, but it should, especially in a situation like this where you've been in the league for how long you've been there. Just it comes down, comes down to the adjectives, though. Yeah, the adjectives used around him is athletic. You know, what I'm saying able to make plays off script. So he doesn't fit the motif for the backup, where the backup is always the guy that's heady. He's got moxie. Um, you know, he's first guy in the room or second guy in the room, making sure everything's done, dotting dotting eyes and crossing t's. You know, those aren't the things that he gets in his compliment. Um, sandwich so who, who's going to change their language around cam newton to make him fit as a backup that's really the question that is really the question because it's not it's not about like he has that video where he's like oh the randoms well you're a random now and i think that's what shan was Shannon was telling him you're one of these random guys now somebody's got to actually believe in you and pick you this th- there's not a place where somebody's like dying for you to come in the building those days are done yeah, now you gotta conform and fit before anything else happens. 
I, I guess the coming up to the line and the 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 uh Clay Matthews. <laughs> oh, you watch film, huh? Watch this. Yeah. I, I guess those days are over. Right. So yeah. Um moving on. Here's a question for you. Does Zeke really have a market? Now he's narrowed his his decision down to three teams. Uh the Jets, the Eagles, and the Bengals. Um that's his three choices, I guess. I don't know how they feel about it because if I'm them, I'm not agreeing. But my question to you is, does Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott have a market? Thanks for taking my call. I'll hang up and listen. Well, well thanks for calling. Um, but let's let's break this down real simple. Um, as a branch of the tree of Shanahan, um, Zeke – doesn't fit in New York because New York has Brees Hall. They have they brought back Ty Johnson the other day, and then they have um, uh, Michael Carter from North Carolina, who's in his second or third his third year now. So it's no you got two young bulls, and then you got the the playmaker or the guy that's kind of like your slash with Johnson. So it really makes no sense. And if I'm the Jets anyway, again, House of Shanahan believes. I'm drafting a young running back late in this draft to see what else I can get. Maybe a guy that's more of a speedster. Um, that, that way I don't have to worry about I can bring him in maybe on third downs. He gives me a little bit more electricity than Carter and Hall. But Hall is going to be a Hall's going to be a stud. And his only issue is going to be can he stay healthy. So I don't see him fitting there. Bengals, I can see the fit because you're probably going to go off of Joe Mixon. The, the Bengals are probably one of the teams that, you know, I've been sprinkling this potion all, all season for certain teams, but B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are two guys in this first round or early second that have to come off the board and need a place to go. The Bengals would be smart to let one of them be the stud, and then maybe you have Zeke come off the bench as the backup because he can help with the pass protection and things of that nature. But I don't see I don't see a place in this world where he's the first guy, and if he is, he's only the first guy for five games. Who's the team I missed? The Eagles. Eagles pick at 10. I'm sorry. They pick at 10 and 30. Again, I'm going to say it to him blue in the face, and you can get tired of me saying the name. B. John Robinson. He's the only stud running back in this draft. So why not take him at 10? Because you've lost some things, and then you start fixing your defense at on the back end. Or you trade down at 10, go to like 15, 17, and then you start building that back up because you got to build up your cornerbacks, and you got to build up something else. So I don't see the Eagles. I don't see the Eagles really going with him as their as as a back because they're going to give the ball to go with um what's his name Kenneth Galloway no Gainwell Gainwell um from Memphis and then you also have um Scott and company that's still there so they have kind of a system with running backs so I don't I don't know man I just he's definitely somebody's too he might get better luck if he lets them go to camp stays in shape and tries to catch on somewhere in camp with a team. But I don't see, and again, part of that, and I'll be completely um, full, um, I'm honest and 100, is I don't believe in in picking up old running backs. Oh, my. Here we go. In 2019, he signed a six-year extension with the Cowboys, $90 million with $50 million guaranteed, right? Supposed mm-hmm. to keep him under contract for t- till 2026. Mm-hmm. He was released earlier this month once the new league year started. He has never been as good as he once was. And when I say once was his rookie year, right. best season he's ever had. 15 games played, 15 started, 322 carries, 1,631 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. His longest run was 60 yards. 15 touchdowns, caught 32 passes for 363, and 83 was as long as he had one touchdown, five fumbles, and he only lost one. Rushing-wise, he hasn't had a season like that since. Now, receiving uh, the 2018 season, 77 receptions, 567 yards, uh, three touchdowns, but he lost six fumbles. He lost – I mean, he had six fumbles. He lost one. He has not had a season like his rookie season 
since his rookie season. Now, let's start with 2017 and go all the way to 2022. These are how many yards he had each season up until last. 983. 1,434, 1,357, 979, 1,002, 876. Now, granted, he plays hmm, maybe another good season, get 10,000 yards. I mean, no, it's like getting 3,000 hits. He might be considered for the Hall of Fame senior committee maybe. But this dude has not produced the way he once did since 2016 2021 he played 17 games played all 17 games 1002 yards rushing where did um where did kellen moore go he went to san diego right uh let me find out quick because if he goes if kellen moore is in san diego that's the landing place for z because I know Austin Eckler wants a new contract. Austin Eckler wants to move on. Um, again, I'll say it again so I'm blue in the face. The Chargers need a dynamic running back. There's one running back in this draft. B. John Robinson, Texas. Yo, I'm just going to say this every day. Every time you say NFL draft, just, just go ahead and pencil in. So if you if you watching at home, you want to play a drinking game, Take a shot every time I say a team needs B. John Robinson because it's going to be a lot. So I wouldn't do the 151. You know, you want to get something a little lighter than that, all right? But I, mean, I don't understand it. Like, there's no need to recycle running backs. There's so many good running backs in this draft. Tajay, uh, is it Ty, I think it's Tajay Spears from Tulane. Good value at, in the third or fourth round if he's going to be there. He's an every down back. He does everything you want. Um. Devin Ashawn, Ashane from Texas A&M, very fast back. He's a little light in the ass, so he'd be perfect as a third back option or somebody you run on. Like a, the only old back I would take is Jarek McKinnon. He's about 27, 28 now, or 26, 27, um, but he's, he doesn't have enough a lot of mileage on his legs. That's the kind of guy – actually, I would love to see him here in Washington. But I just don't think Zeke personally, again – Trish Shanahan, Love Branch. I just don't believe in it. I just don't see it, man. You got to get off that tree, man. You got to kill him. No, that's true. I'm, 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 I'm deeply rooted in this tree, bro. Okay. We can agree that there's no market because let me, let me go. Now, I was going to say, uh, and Kellen Moore isn't with the Chargers, the LA Chargers, not the San Diego Super Chargers. The LA Chargers. I was going to say. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I'm glad you said Chargers. So the other thing I was going to say is the kind of that's one spot only because again he's familiar with the offense. It'd be an easy fit for him to go in, just in case Kellen is allowed to do some of his stuff or make a lot of his stuff the way they run the offense in San Diego. I mean, in Los Angeles, then that's going to be perfect because then Zeke can help teach the room. But he's going to have to take on the LT role where LT backed up Sean Green um, in the Jets and kind of be that mentor and help that young guy come along and become a better player. That's the thing that he's going to have to be be comfortable with doing. I just don't see a team or, again, my belief system isn't allowing me to see a team make him their starting running back because he just doesn't have what you said. He doesn't have the wiggle and shake from his rookie season. He's going to be a plotter, so he can plot, but yeah. you still want somebody else. You know what I'm saying? But this, and, and you know what? Now that you, now that you, I think about it, he could do that P-Ron, that Samaji P-Ron role in um, Cincinnati, where he was kind of like their third down back. He was kind of their power back. He did a little bit, you know, but he was good enough in the pass protection that he helped that offensive line out. So, yeah, you know what? The one place I can – I'm going to give Cincinnati the call. So I'm going to have Cincinnati, the Chargers, and then the field because I got, I got to figure the rest out. Okay, let, let me say this. Zeke did not – he's only 27, okay? Oh. Yeah, running back age, yeah, because a running he, back shelf life is 22 to really 26. Yep. Those are you years. Know, you, 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 have might, a, 
Go ahead. If you're AP, I'm sorry. No, if you're AP, you're you're you're, you're still running past 26. You probably get into your 30s with with that. But it's not a lot of guys. Um, that's I mean, you gotta think about it. We're in an age now where running backs. We celebrated. Um, what's the what's the Pokemon do? Jamal Williams. We celebrated him having 17 touchdowns last season, and probably 14. Yeah, and 14 of those touchdowns was probably from the one yard line. So it's 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 like we don't value the running back position the same. We don't have the same thing. Like now, your lead in Russia might have 1,200, 1,300 yards because they're splitting splitting carries. Yeah. yeah, unless unless they're the dominant guy, unless they're like Jonathan Taylor of this league, they're not really getting the the full boatload of carries. And it is always them and somebody else. But and that's the thing, we don't have the one back set where you have the one main running back that takes the right. bulk of the carries. He carries the ball 300, 325 times. If you're really good at it, 350. If right. you're superb at it, 400. <laughs> you know, that's but the best that. Right. Nobody nobody runs the ball that much as a team. Zeke's not going to get that because Zeke is not. You know what he's going to do? You give him the ball off tackle. He's going to take two steps and the field monster going to say, oh, that's my tackle. The field monster led the league in tackles against him last year. <laughs> this dude would take two steps and fall. Two steps, fall. Two steps, fall. You know, he got a five-yard gain. He trying to crawl to get to the five. No, dude, the hole is there. You could run Mack trucks through it, but there is no more. You won't see no more. Put it to you this way. Since, you know, Zeke wants to be the feature back. There are no more feature backs. There are running back by committee now. When we grew up, there were feature backs. Now, tell me who was Earl Campbell's backup. No clue. Mm, neither do I. Who was John Riggins' backup? Well, that's not fair because I could say Joe Washington or Nick Giacquino was the third down back. So, eh, it's not a okay. fair one. That's, that's not fair. Okay. But, yeah, and John Riggins was older. He was, what, most rushing yards after the age of 30, I believe? Yeah. yeah. And I think he gave it up at 35. Yep. And was still, in my opinion, top of his game. But he was like, yeah, it's time for me to move on. Emmett Smith, who was truly Emmett Smith's backup in Dallas? Because it was a different running back every year. I think Julius Jones had a stretch. Nah, early um, Dallas. Early, no, nah, and he didn't back up. He didn't. No, early. Back, he didn't back up uh, Emmett. He came okay. after him. He was the running back after Emmett, I believe. After okay. Jerry Jones but used then, him and, and got rid of him like a, a piece of Kleenex. Was it Troy Hambrick? Or was he later too? Because there's a stretch of bad. There's a bunch of bad <laughs> Dallas running backs that have like hundred yard games against Washington. Yeah, so I'm exactly. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going through some trauma here. Um, um a little P- PTSD. But I get your point. Curvin Rich. I get your point. Who got right. cut because he fumbled three times against Chicago? Right. Got a Super Bowl ring, but he got cut. My point is, there are no more feature backs. There are no more Barry Sanders, and I don't even. No, yeah. the running back room now is like instead of it being Lionel Richie, it's the Commodores. Yeah. Um, instead of it being Prince, it's um Hall and Oates, depending on the, the team. You know what I'm saying? It's it's more of a duo now. Wait, hold on, hold on. I mean, it ain't nothing wrong being the Commodore. I mean, instead of being Smokey Robinson, it's just the miracles. But right. I mean, but you, you know, get what I'm saying? You, you, yeah, you, I, you, I do. You, you, know analogy, you know what I'm saying? You don't have that guy that has that right. factor. But, I mean, you know, the Commodores were a little bit more successful without Lionel Richie. But I'm just going to say they got their first Grammy with the night shift. Okay. Music history for you. Um, But I'm sitting here and I'm thinking. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm proud of you that you didn't bring. I, I was waiting for a David Ruffin. I was waiting for a David Ruffin reference. Well, but you, well, you made it. You made it. Well, no, because. Being a Temptations fan, you know the Temptations were a machine. They worked they together come, because. But who they come know, to see? I, at this present point, they are coming to see Otis because that's all they can come to see. So say what now? <laughs> say what now? <laughs> come on now. But you know, it, 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 and <laughs> I don't know why I just thought about that. But 
that's what Zeke wants to be. Mm-hmm. He wants to he he wants to be in the limo with Flynn talking about, you know, you ain't been unreasonable, babe. Smoking Robinson and the Miracles. Junior Walker and the All-Stars. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Diana Ross and the Supremes. David Ruffin and what's their name? You can't be that guy because you're not that guy. If this was 2016, you could have been that guy. But you're not that guy. You're going to have to be on the committee with somebody. Whether it's in Detroit, oh, I'm sorry, Cincinnati with the Jets or uh, in Philly. You got to be a part of that Philly machine, but you got to fit in. And what you have to do, you got to tuck your ego, pack it away, and learn how to be a part of a team. 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 That's it and that's all. You're good. So... And uh, to answer the question, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think Zeke has a market because he's 27 years old. He's old as damn dirt (laughs) running back, running back wise. But I don't think he has a market, but I think he'll be serviceable wherever he goes. But if he loses, but if he loses just a little bit weight, he get back down to rookie weight because nobody's nobody grounds and pounds anymore. Nobody pounds the ball. You know, you're not running counter trade 25, 30 times a game. You're not running 50 gut. You know, you're not running plays like that. You're not running uh, smash plays every other play. Nobody runs the ball like that. He get back to being who he was, able to bounce out to the outside and hit the sideline and go. Maybe he got a rejuvenation. You just added two teams to his list there. You just added Miami and San Fran for me. San Fran is going to be a money thing, but Miami and San Fran could be places where he could get rejuvenated with a little outside zone, one cut, one cut run. So, yeah, that's the only other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, moving on to the next talk, topic. Lamar. Lamar, it, these these things that are coming out, Lamar. So apparently he has some guy that is, uh-oh, I, I, I missed it. He has some guy that is negoti- calling around the team trying to negotiate a nine-figure deal on his behalf. Um, Hold on. Um, let me get it. Uh, Bobby Trosette. But is he is he approved by the um no not by the so NFL PA? Yeah, that's, that's so he's so he's basically cutting off his nose to spite his face by some of his some of his own decisions have but made this here's the thing. This is what Lamar said. Now hold on, let me tell you what Tom Pelissero said on Twitter. Um, Ken Francis is a Florida man who most recently was pitching a home fitness in- invention. I'm told. He now is trying to negotiate a nine-figure figure contract with NFL teams who are being told not they're not allowed to negotiate with him because he is not a certified agent. Lamar Jackson responded, Stop lying that man, and that man never tried to negotiate for me with the crying laughing emo, crying laughing emojis. This is every day, but it's okay not to be okay. Mental health awareness is what so Lamar is saying this dude's not negotiating for him. And I, I get what you're saying about getting your agent and you can't i mean ray allen had his mom look over his his contract he got at the time they thought kevin garnett's contract with the 126 was the biggest but ray allen's 124 was actually the biggest contract because he got all of that money didn't have to pay no contract no uh agent fees if lamar wants you talking nine figures nine figures is is Hundreds of million. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah that's hundreds of million. Because ten figures is uh, is billion. So yeah, you talk, but you mean to tell me Lamar's not worth a hundred million? See, see, you, you, everybody keeps using the W that W word. That W word ain't the word we need right now. The W word is that's me. I'm sorry. 
Um, the W word is worth, but it's now the word is leverage and what he can actually get. He has put himself in a spot where because he has no agent, he can't cut backdoor deals or backside deals and get anything in place to give him footing in um in getting the deal done. So now what has to happen is everything has to be done up front. So A, a lot of teams are scared away because they just think the Ravens are going to match. And B, they don't want to compromise themselves and put themselves in a position where now all of a sudden I got to pay this man all this money, especially in these first two years, and I really don't have the money available right now. You know, because he's not going to be a guy that's going to, in order for you to get him, you're not going to be able to push a lot of money into year two and year three. Mm-hmm. You want to give him a big cap number for year one to make Baltimore really think about trying to match that deal. And then the word I always, I've always i been using lately is the poison pill. There are going to be some <laughs> poison pills and some escalators in this deal that's going to make it, again, hard for the um, the Ravens to match it. Because otherwise, the Ravens just play this game and be like, all right, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, we'll match it, and then you're done. And now you've put yourself in a position where you're, you are you got to make a move soon, and you don't know which way you're going. Because you, you, if you put your eggs in one basket, and all of a sudden that basket doesn't come through, now what? Mm. And I think that's the biggest problem right now with his with his situation. Now, he might uh, get stuck having to play for play for thirty two million. Okay, Lamar Jackson. He only started seven games in twenty eighteen, which is his rookie year. He was six and one as a starter. Okay. His first full year as a starter, good God, come back. 15 games. He was 13 and 2 as a starter. MVP. Uh, people said he couldn't pass. He passed for 3,127 yards, 36 touchdowns, over six interceptions. The kid does not turn the ball over. Let's just talk about that. 1,200 yards rushing, um, seven rushing TDs. You know, he does not turn the ball over very much. He's only got 15 lost fumbles in his career. Um, 38 interceptions against 101 touchdowns. He was eight and four as a starter last year, seven and five the year before, 11 and four the year before that. Here's my thing I know durability is an issue. And I think you have to put into the contract, he has to play a certain amount of snaps in order to get the full max of the contract. That has to be something that's written in. And I, I my mother told me a long time ago, it's not your job to tell somebody what they're worth. It's not for you to decide what they're worth. So I'm not going to say, well, Lamar's worth this or he's not worth that. It's not for me to decide. What I see with his skill level and what he's able to do with broken pieces, and I say broken pieces because Devin DuVernay, Hollywood Brown, um, Mark Andrews has been his best receiver. Mark Andrews and – Come on, help me out. Help me out. Help me out. The other tight end they got this year. Isaiah Likely. Likely. Those are his two best targets. Uh, But I think those are the two best targets of his career. Baltimore has not went and said, hey, let's go pick this guy up a number one receiver. I don't don't give a damn what Philly did. Philly just proved you. They showed you the blueprint. Well, Buffalo did it before that. Yes. Agreed. Buffalo did it. Josh Allen wasn't. You weren't looking at Josh Allen as a top five quarterback before Diggs got there. I agree. I agree. So let me let me take that off the off the board and, and throw this beauty to the boss BJ. Buffalo wrote the blueprint. You got this quarterback that can run, but he needs receivers. And you know, Josh Allen has Dawson Knox. He has Gabe Davis. He had uh Isaiah McKenzie along with Stefan D. He had a nice receiving room. You know, these guys get it in. Uh, what was the other tight end they had? Dawson Knox was another guy. Ah, fuck, I can't think of his name. But did well. Baltimore has not made the move. And who's the hey. greatest Who's the greatest receiver in Baltimore? Anquan Bolden. That's their greatest receiver. And they didn't get it. They didn't get a prime Anquan Bolden. They got a rejuvenated Anquan Bolden. That's the only guy I can think of. 
I mean, you got Tory Smith, but I don't consider Steve him. Steve Smith? Yeah, again, that's another guy that was at the Another NBA. rejuvenated guy? Yeah. So you got Anquan Bolden, Tory Smith's up there, Steve Smith, um, Michael Jackson. He was a Raven. Uh, Kadri Ishmael, Brandon Stokely, Jermaine Lewis. And I'm just shooting but, off. You're, with- you're at the point. They're... They're one of the teams that invested the least in the position. So, like, there's the problem. But, again, um, just going back to it, I just think, see, he he didn't follow the Cousins blueprint. And I think that's the issue. Like, the Cousins blueprint got Cousins paid twice. And, of course, I think the other, other issue was, or the other key contributor in that factor was that Cousins did this with an organization that is notorious for being um, reactive and not proactive, whereas the Baltimore Ravens, and I made a comment on a post in a um, sports group, and I was just like, this is what the Ravens do. And I wasn't saying it from, like, the person that was arguing with me was trying to take it from, like, a talent level, like, oh, they never do this with their elite talent. But Baltimore has gotten rid of got some guys because they have their talent layered, and when mm-hmm. it's that time for that guy's contract to come up, it's all right, man. It's nice. When they got rid of Bart Scott. Bart Scott. Um, I mean, we it's a list of them, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. Judon. Yeah. You know, I mean, I it's guys that they just was like, all right, it's I mean, my favorite one is Ellerby. Because Ellerby signed like a seven-year, $35 million deal in Miami and did absolutely nothing in Miami. Um, you know, they lost CJ Mosley to the to the Jets. And his first two years, you was nondescript because he was hurt um, for the first two years. So there's there's times and situations where these guys have gone up, especially on the defensive side, but even on the offensive side. Uh, Orlando, he won. They had Ronnie. You breaking up? You breaking up? We got out of time. You breaking up? Hold on, hold on. Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. You was breaking up. You said on the offensive side, they let guys go. Now right. go. I, I didn't hit a guy. You know, I heard Orlando Brown and nothing else. Oh, so Orlando Brown. Um, you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just let Ben Jones go. Uh, who else was I saying? Uh, there's one more offensive lineman. Um, I, I lost it now. But I mean, even Hurst, Hayden Hurst was their tight end. I mean, they've let mm-hmm. guys go, and they've had plans in place where they had the talent layered. And I think this is the first year, to be honest, that even Washington kind of had that in, pl- in mind. If you don't sign Deron, you got Mathis behind them. You know, you loved yeah. him the rich way. You know, but now you paid them, so it kind of takes that plan out of place. And I wouldn't be surprised in the first three rounds at Washington, they don't take an edge guy. Okay. Okay. Let me ask this question. With Lamar. We're talking, and, and it's hard to talk Baltimore history because we're only going back to '96. That's all we go back. And if if we had to, let me ask this question: We had to look at it. Is Lamar the best quarterback Baltimore has ever had? Yes. Okay. And quick update: Michigan State, Kansas State is now in overtime or going to overtime at 82-82. Mm. We got a bomb burner on TV. Uh, if he's the best quarterback, he's the best option. Why not give him the weapons to succeed? Why not give him? He, of course, you play this game. Well, they they play- made the investment. They've tried to make investments. They had Hollywood Brown, and realized that I mean the kid dropped a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, they got they Rashad made the Um, <laughs> no. Rashad um, Perriman, stone hands. But the boy can catch him um, now, but stone hands. Rashad Bateman, the, the kid no. from Minnesota they just drafted. He he dropped he he's been hurt. You know, so some of the problem has been the people you picked haven't worked out. Go ahead, man. You good. Stone hands killing me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can catch coach. I swear I can. I can catch. <clears throat> okay. Anyway. Bonus question. Who's the best coach in Baltimore history? 
And I'm sorry, Baltimore Raven history. Because I can't say Baltimore history. Harbaugh. Macho Broden. You just like you. That's your guy. Yeah, I I I love it. I love Macho Broden. I'm always gonna love him. His players love him too. Rest in peace. Only only coach to coach at the Baltimore Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. That, that says something right there. That says something. But they they brought him back to uh, get him together to get the uh, the fans on on board. But that's a different story. But if this dude's not negotiating for Lamar, Lamar's trying to do something. And I, I just wish I, this is so unlike the Ravens organization to be this. I don't want to call it dysfunctional. Give me, give me, give me an adjective, please. I, I need help. It's not dysfunctional. I, I, I need something. I think it's smart because they took the year and they negotiated with him. And from what it sounds like, they put decent offers on the table. So now you, you got to, at a certain point, and I think this is where the worth conversation and the leverage conversation, there's like a, a, a bar graph where somewhere that graph isn't matching up. Like his level where he thinks he's worth is not coming down to what the leverage he has. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so, so I think that's where he's having a problem. Because he's lost his leverage by by letting it get here. He should have had this deal done at the end of the season, and he would have been fine. And I think he just had to come off of the 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 the, the Browns deal. Like he had to stop having that hope yeah. that he was going to get the 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 Sean um, Watson money. But see that that's a a a fluke effed up contract because he's getting ready to renegotiate that so they can sign people. So he got to right. get off of that all the way. Now we got to keep an eye on this, but we got to jump to this last topic because this is what we here for. So keep your GM. I'm sorry. Keep your, 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 your executive hat on, but I need you to put your owner hat on. I okay. need you to come on in because you just paid $6.9 billion. And I'm just upping it up. You just paid $6.9 billion of your own money to buy mm-hmm. the Washington Commanders. What's okay. your first two moves as owner? So owner, we talked Midnight Rider. So we talked about this already. And my first move, and I know I'm supposed to get my front office together, but my, one of my first moves is I'm going to find a guy in the service industry. And I'm not talking about the fifth best guy in service. I'm talking about the first or second best guy. Maybe it's bringing back a guy like La Femina, but it's somebody in the service industry that is known for taking care of his customers because my job, number one, is I have to get fans back in the building, but I have to get them feeling like they are being um, taken care of. Mm-hmm. Part of that plan in initiating and getting the fans back is reinvesting in getting Metro to have buses. Or if, if it's not Metro, we take money out of our pocket and we get some, some coach buses, and those buses – Take people from um, the, the 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 parking lot, like that one parking lot that's all the way in the back, and, then, and you know we drop you at the stadium, or we bring you from the metro, which is a mile walk, and we're bringing you into the front doors. Like we're doing everything to engage you to make you say, make you know that we want you at our stadium. That would be number one. Number two would be we're going to do something to get this facility up to date. I can't have you feel like you walking in, and this is no offense to Morgan State, Jackson State, or any of the HBCUs, but my my facility can't be at that level when I know for a fact guys that come from Clemson or go to Alabama, they're 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 living it up, you know what I'm saying? Caviar lobster lifestyle. I need to I need to get to that level. But then when it comes to the the alignment of my franchise, which is the main reason we're here, is I got two guys that I've been thinking about is my GM. One used to be here, and that's Kyle Smith. That's the first one. Um, I think if you look at his report card and what he did that um, 2020, you know, he got you a Cam Curl. He got you a – that draft class was very productive. Um, you got you a Cole Holcomb. So you got guys that actually came out and made plays. The other guy would be a minority for me since we're doing this. And it'll be um, Adrian Wilson from Arizona. You know, he used to play safety, but he's he's one of those guys. He he had an opportunity or an interview for a couple jobs, but he would be my next guy 
that I take. Now, even though he's my GM, my next goal is I'm getting me somebody quality as my player player personnel guy, especially on the college side. So I'm going over the NFL network. I'm rolling out the limousine. I'm we going to the best steakhouse in the building. I'm taking a blank check and I'm gonna slide across the table. I'm look Daniel Jeremiah right in the eyes. I need you to be my, my player personnel guy. I need you to tell me who the good players are. We can we can build a staff, um, but you're the head guy of this. You already have NFL experience. You did this in Philly. You did this other places. Get me some W's. Get me some players in here. You know, we got to be forward thinking. Mm. I should have I broke this up. I should have broke this up and said two your first two moves off the field and then your first two moves, you know, office-wise, which would translate on the field. And you gave your first one. I love it. I love it. And I agree with it. If I'm the new owner, I want to put a focus group up. And I want to say, okay, what do we need to improve game day experience? Because if you improve game day experience, you're going to get people to come out. And one of the biggest gripes, what well, the top two biggest gripes are food and getting to the stadium. Right. And then how high parking is and everything. See, I'm I'm not down for all that. I, I, and we're right by the beltway. So you got to think about the traffic jam and all that. So I get the coach buses, get that. But I got to bring somebody in. And I got to see what the fans want. And what's crazy is, what is D.C. and Maryland known for? Well, D.C. is known for half smokes. Maryland is known for what? Crab cakes, crabs, things like that. But can you eat that at a game? You can't eat that at a game. All right. So we have to figure out. I mean, everybody loves hamburgers and hot dogs. But I would have to, I would rather serve hamburgers and hot dogs off of a traditional charcoal grill, give you that real game day experience. But also, if you want something a little bit more, I would give I want to give the fans something that'll make them say, you know what? The game was great. The food was great. The the atmosphere was great. Everything. You know, if I got to, it's got to be game day experience. However. as on top of that game day experience, the old Landover Mall site, I would buy that just to redevelop it. And I would actually put a mall there. They actually, I think they actually own some of that land. I would, I heard the learners own that. Okay. The learn and the learners were supposed to sell it to the Snyders, but you know, they were talking and talking and talking. But the learners won because the learners used to own Landover Mall. Just, I think they own Peach. I think they own almost every mall in the area, or they got their uh-huh. hand in every mall. But I would put a mall there. So, and you got restaurants and sports bars and shops and everything. You tailgate there. Walk on across to the stadium. You know, you got everything blocked off. And I'm a guy, I got the band leading because that's what Baltimore does outside of their stadium. They have Ravens. I don't, I don't want nothing that Baltimore does. You, you I'm got, sorry. You, I just don't. I don't want. I mean, I know what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do. I you, don't want that part of the experience. I, I need my band. And I, I want the traditional band back. That's what I want. I want the traditional band back. You're not getting but, that back, though. I know. I mean, but I still can. I can have the band and they still have the band, but I need the true band. Mm-hmm. You know, that one that plays that loop around the stadium. But my second thing. Off the field. Start shopping for a new home. That's my second thing off the field. I would shop for a new home. Of course, I would love to redevelop RFK uh, on the field. As far as front office, everybody wants to change the GM. And I remember when uh, Doug Williams was director, senior director of player personnel. We were able to get guys like, um, oh my god, I, I want to say not not Casey Tuhill. He he Cole Holcomb. Uh, a lot of young guys. Doug Williams fished out. He was able to, you know, say, "Hey, we need to pick this guy late," and he doesn't get the credit for it. But Doug Williams will be a part of my decision making process on personnel because he knows what he's talking about. And you talk about who to hire, my head of my scouting department, immediately, it's Scott McClure. I've seen what you're doing five years. In five years, you took the Seahawks to two Super Bowls. You took the 49ers to two Super Bowls. Five years, if you can take me to two Super Bowls, I'm sorry, he took the uh, 49ers to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship game. 
if you can take me that far after I have not tasted that in 30 years, I know we're on the right path. I would love this to say that or even be aboard with that, but I couldn't because that that's 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 too much of the sins of the past coming back in the building. I mean, you, act I like I'm, you act like I'm bringing uh uh Jim Zorn in to be my quarterback yeah. coming to the past, man. I, I'm uh, but see, it, like but you see, see, I think I think in our visions, the difference is I'm really I really want to move as much as I can away from what they did. Okay. So that's why I'm bringing in who I'm bringing in because okay. we need to reform. Now, I did bring back Kyle Smith, but we need to kind of reform that identity. Um, we need to build a brand that is the commander's brand, not what's been here for the last 25 years. And I almost don't think that Scott would even, or his wife would even have interest, even though Dan and them are gone, they may not have interest in just coming back and reliving some of that, that trauma because there's going to be questions. There's going to be stuff in the media you know, trying to fish out because you got to think they're going to try to fish out the truth of what happened when he was last year. Mm-hmm. I get that. So, 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 so that's so I, I love, I love the idea and the thought process. I just, when it comes to the application of it, I, I have concerns. Now, here's my thing I understand your concerns, I hear them, and they're valid concerns. I'm not going to invalidate their valid concerns because I'm asking for what was once successful. Right. However, if I have to look at it and I have to look at this front office structure structure. Okay. Um well I'm gonna have to put a pin in that because I I, I got something I, I guess I gotta go handle. So abruptly, um we're gonna have to come back on Sunday and talk about this and I have to finish this because <sighs> Somebody got the wrap it up yeah, signal. I, I got the wrap it up B signal. And I, I <laughs> oh. oh, so look, we'll put a pin in that. Um, I'll come back and I'll give my thoughts on that on Sunday. Uh don't forget next week's WrestleMania week. Uh, but until next time, that's the midnight rider. I'm the big guy KG. We don't do no overtime, y'all. We are out of here.